You are now listening to the Life is Not Complicated, You Are podcast. Here's your host, veteran, best-selling author, philanthropist, and youth advocate, Carlos Wallace. What's up, everybody? I'm back with you on the Life is Not Complicated, You Are podcast. And uh, she was so dope, I had to bring her back. I got Jay McNair in here again, and uh, we're going to have a conversation Go back over a conversation that we had off mic. And I told her I really enjoyed it. And nobody's ever interviewed me about being an organizer. And some of the questions she was asking, I felt everybody could benefit from. So I'm going to hand it over to her. And it's, for today, it's her podcast. Thank so you, it's all you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Excellent intro. Yes, I am Jay McNair. And we did have a really dope conversation about organizing. First of all, I didn't even know that it was a thing, which yeah. is a lot of things with Carlos. I'm like, oh, <laughs> newsflash. No, no, I always learn new stuff. You should always keep people around that can yeah. teach you stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I know what it is now. Or I know more about it, but what is an organizer? Yeah. So there are different different types of organizers. I specifically was organizing the rail industry actually transportation because i did organize um airline employees as well most baggage handlers things like that but an organizer is a person in this capacity is we go in for a union okay to organize employees you know the ones that want to be a part of a union so Mm -hmm. um and the process is little you know it's different layers and we'll get into that but but yeah initially that's i mean in a broad answer that's what it is we go in and organize people that want to become a union or form a union or join a union that's already in existence okay cool so yeah we were talking about um the benefits of a union Mm -hmm. and how it's a little rough in the beginning but ultimately it's for you know like the greater good and so how we started the conversation is because I'm always trying to figure things out and learn new stuff. I was just like, how do you make a union in the first place? Like right. when you don't even have one. So what, how do you package that? Yeah. So what happens is the employees on a, on a property or at a company, they have to sign a cards and, and these a cards are, these are literally official cards, man. And you have to have 50% plus one. Mm-hmm. And so if there's, you know, if there's 10 employee, 20 employees on this property, in this case, we have to have 11. Right. So 50% would be 10 plus one more card. And then we'll turn, the, I'll take those to my president, right? Or to the head of the organizing department. Okay. And, but before I do that, I've already done analytical research on how much work the company is worth. So, because, you know, one of the chief complaints is always money. Right. So if the employees feel like they should make more money, I have to make sure the money's even there. It even exists in the yeah, first place. Yeah, you know what I mean? And then, of course, ben- health care benefits, you know, can the company even afford that? Right. So once I do my due diligence and I and I know, you know, that, that it's there, like it's attainable, then I take it up to my boss. Okay. Uh, and he'll run it up the chain of command because the money comes from our union in, in the meantime. Like they're paying me to be there. Uh, if I need additional resources, they're paying for that. You know, hotel, lodging. Um, I mean, just a lot of expense goes into a campaign. Right. And the reward, hopefully, is we gain new members. Okay. You know, 
Sometimes, a lot of times we don't. I mean, it's probably 50-50, you know. Mm -hmm. We'll win a campaign, sometimes we don't. So, and if you don't win it, you know, that's just money literally invested, I guess you would say. (laughs) You know, I don't want to say lost, you know. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it is. Now, our union actually is the largest rail union in the world. And so there were there are sometimes like there are short line railroads that people don't know about because you only hear about the big ones, CSX, Union Pacific, mm-hmm. you know, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, uh, uh, in Texas. We got, through multiple states. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kansas City Southern, you know, big ones like that. But there's there's hundreds of small ones that that people don't don't hear about them, right? Uh-huh. And so there was a time I, I was I, I got a call from a guy that wanted me to come on their property and they only had like 18 people. <laughs> so, tiny. Yeah. So I actually, I called the president. I didn't call my boss. I called the president, uh, president Fethi at the time. And I said, Hey, you know, we got this, this short line. They want us to organize them. It's on, it's 18 guys. So when you start thinking about the money you put into that campaign right. versus recovering that money, 18 guys, you will probably never recover the money like it, it you so know did he give him like major pause when you ask no he said go we'll make our money on the big ones he's like but little ones need help too okay and that you know that stuck with me forever and uh but i have a, a saying that i i've always said i never make decisions based on money you know you you hear like as a promoter mm-hmm you hear guys, man, I want to do that because you make a lot of money. If you if you made the decision based on money, you're probably going to fail. So well, you might do something, but it's not going to have longevity. That's right. That's right. So so have other reasons to why you want to do it. So when he told me that, it made sense. It aligned with my principle as well. You know. Okay. So when you you as a person, so obviously you know there's research and things that go, you know, that happen before you even actually take on, like the right. job of trying to attempt you know organizing or whatever right but for you like as a person because i know that you're big on you know just development and all sorts of things uh-huh. like what's the this is slightly off topic but because at the end of the day we're whole people what what's the most beneficial thing for you or like what's the greatest reward for you to know that there's going to be fairness in the workplace mm-hmm. you know i'm a democrat diehard democrat am i happy with all democrats no but I make my decisions in the ballot box based on labor, you know, okay. because in in a whole political process with what people have interest in, it takes all of us to make that work, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you try to have applied interest in all of it, you're going to fail because it's just no way possible. Right. It's just you literally know? not feasible. So my spoke in the wheel is labor. Mm-hmm. You know, I pay attention to labor because to me, without money, you can't do anything. If you can't take care of your family, right. you know, like so to me, I want that part to be fair, the labor part. Mm-hmm. Because I know if that if that person can earn a, a livable wage, take care of their family, they're going to contribute to society. Right, be a decent citizen. They're going to be a decent likely. citizen. You, you know, more often than not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that is my piece, right? Uh, do I care about health care? Absolutely. You know, do I care about Social Security? Do I care about uh, police brutality? Do I care? All of those things I care about. But that's not my expertise. Mine right. is labor. So what I get from it is one step closer to fairness in the workplace. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Okay, so with that, um, when we were speaking, we talked about like the disparity in the workplace, particularly with like women. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you said was that you're really big on like the task, whatever the task is, right? Yeah. So we all know there's a separation or, you know, with of course. women and men. But we talked about pay difference for tasks between states. So like yeah. California and Texas. Right. And uh, one of the things you said, which is interesting to me, you said, like, are they not doing the same job? Doing the same. Hey, pay the position. So should the position not be, you know. If the position is doing the same work, it should get the same pay. Right. Now, if they live in a place where cost of living is more expensive, every like every job, you know, corporate, so to speak, has a cost of living allowance. Okay. Yearly. You know, sometimes it's worked into your paycheck. Sometimes it's just one big bonus at the end of a year Mm -hmm. or October, whenever it is. But they have that's there for a reason. Okay, it's because it says, "Hey, you live in California, and the cost of living for you is eight percent higher than if you lived in Texas. Mm -hmm. So here's your eight percent makeup. Okay, this one time, but that does not constitute paying you more an hour than paying me for the same for the same job. Right? No." Okay. Because with that said, that so if I live in River Oaks versus Greenpoint, I should make more money. Now we got to fight. And for <laughs> those, and for those that don't know, like in Houston, River Oaks would be like the elite, and Greenpoint not so much. Right. But if they do the same job, they get the same pay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I know surface level. A lot of times, you know, for the most part, people know that unions are a thing, right? Right. But I know a lot of times you think like, okay, equal pay. Mm-hmm. What are the Obviously, but unions are like multi-layered. Yeah. So what other benefits besides pay come with having a union? Well, one of the biggest ones right now is because uh, I, I love this question today because there's people say, man, we don't even need unions anymore. Maybe in the 60s. And I was like, dude, it's a fight every day. Mm-hmm. And labor unions are the ones fighting that fight. Fortunately for you, you're not a part of labor union, but you still get the benefit. Mm-hmm. Like you, do We've you get all the benefits? A forty-hour work week. Where do you think it came from? You know, child labor laws. Where do you think it came from? Right. Pay for holidays. Like where do you time and a half unions create all this? Right. Mm-hmm. So, what the reason people have forgotten because it's been a part of our life, our whole life. But if you don't we know talk, otherwise. talk to our grandparents and they go, "Oh no, we didn't get that." Like you right. Know, um, Matter of fact, my dad was like, man, I'm glad child labor laws came about because my dad wouldn't even let us go to school. We had to pick cotton all day. He said, but, you know, when child labor laws happened, so now it forced my dad to let us go to school, you know, because we couldn't work before four o'clock. But that type of stuff don't just happen. You know what I mean? Out of Uh, goodness in somebody's heart. Yeah, overtime pay, all this good stuff. Like an employer didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm going to give overtime. Right. That doesn't happen. Like it, it took legislation. A lot of people died for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, today the fight is during the pandemic. Companies with with specifically places like New York, where the rent is very very high, astronomical. So companies figured out that you know I got this twenty thirty thousand dollar a month rent in Manhattan. Man, our employees work from home, mm-hmm. and everything works. Shut it down. <clears throat> so. We could just let them keep working from home and not have to pay this $30,000 a month rent and still prosper. Mm -hmm. And there's some people go, yeah, man, because I don't like driving in every day anyway. It's like, but now where's that money? A, where's that money? B, if they're forcing you to work from your home, a lot of people, their office was the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. That's not fair. Right. So 
Now your family have to walk around in socks and be quiet because you're in a conference call. Because you're working. Right. And so what unions are saying is, okay, yeah, we could do that. But if Carlos is going to work from home, he needs at least a 600-square-foot space for an office. Like a designated space. A designated space with a closed door. Mm-hmm. He needs high-speed internet. He needs equipment. Yeah, he has a laptop. No, no, that's his. His personal laptop. That's his personal laptop. Which you now have access and rights to because he's working on it. There you go. And so unions are now creating, making that fight and making that argument for everyone. Not just who's in their union, but mm-hmm. for everyone. If we're going to make people work from home, let's make sure they have the same advantages as when they go to work. Right. And to say, oh, no, just go in that spare bedroom. Well, everybody don't have a spare bedroom. And for those that, that do, are you saying you're going to rent their spare bedroom? Because it wasn't meant for your your job, your company. Your company. Right. That's their spare. They pay for that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pay them a, a, a stipend each month to rent that room mm-hmm. so it could be used for work purposes? Right. Like these are the arguments that are happening now. And so when people today say, man, we don't even need unions anymore. For what? They don't know about that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're not taking those type of things into consideration. There's a lot of things that companies have people do, and it happens so frequently, people just think it's normal when it's not. It's part of the game. Yes, it's not. I mean, when when smartphones became so, um, you know, when became like this new thing to to society, Mm -hmm. Blackberry specifically, you would see people. Always online. Yes, always on them. You know, you 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 had PTA me. You had your daughter's basketball game or wherever, and you, hey, let me answer this email real quick. You right. know, da, da. and so unions fought for that, and they said, okay, if you're gonna have people doing that, then you should have to pay them for that, and like, the bill, and the bill. If you're on vacation and you have to answer one email, add another day to your vacation. Mm-hmm. So that stopped. Companies stopped doing it right. because literally, you working forty hours, you go to work eight to four. At 401, that's your time. Right. You shouldn't have to be answering You're essentially on call now because you got this. That's literally what. That's right. Mm -hmm. You're on call now. So now you just left the office, but the office went with you. Mm -hmm. Well, how fair is that? Right. And not being compensated for it. Facts. Yeah. So that's unions are doing that. So it's not fighting for 40 hours a week or uh, paid holidays because that's already there. Right. But as, as, uh, you know, the world continues to evolve. Unions will too, and right. and there there will always be a need. Right. Okay. We talked about also how um, I don't want to say it's like a stigma. It kind of is, but mm-hmm. so people not wanting to be involved, right? right? Like once unions are actually established, but and one of the things you told me, which kind of I didn't know, the whole idea of like when you vote. That it's literally not the whole company. It's just whoever shows up. That's right. Yeah. Like when we, when we, so once a company is served and we take a vote on whether that company is going to join the union or not, there may be, I'm going to stick with 20 because I used that number before, 20 people at that company. Mm -hmm. And all we need is the majority. Right. Right. The majority that votes. So out of 20, it may be five people that vote. Well, all we need is three. You are now listening to the Life is Not Complicated, you are podcast. Right. And the other 15 are part of this union, too. Right. Because you, you, you organize or you unionize the entire property, not just those that want to participate. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Because you go in and you negotiate a contract for everyone. So 
And it creates in the railroad we have craft autonomy. So I'm an engineer. We have a union that negotiate the engineer's contract. Okay. You have car men. Those are the guys on the little four wheelers. They're doing the air test and whatnot in the yard, checking brakes and whatnot. They have people that negotiate the car men contract. Mm-hmm. Like so, I I couldn't Everybody tell you. I couldn't tell you what's in the car man contract because you know it doesn't affect me. Right. And he couldn't tell you what's in the engineer's contract because okay. it doesn't affect him. But everybody's represented by someone. You know. No, you know, and I hear guys. Ah, I don't want to pay union dues. You know. Who who does? Nobody wakes up and says, "Man, I just wish I could pay some union dues." Right, <laughs> right. But I I liken being in a union to having insurance? medical insurance. Oh, Nobody wow. wants to pay it, but if you have a car accident, you're glad you got the car insurance, mm-hmm. and if you're hurt, you're glad you have medical insurance. But no one wants to pay it. Right. But it does give you peace of mind. Right. And that's the most important thing. Did you find what was what was the most difficult? part of establishing unions when you were an organizer um the fairness you know I, that was the first the first railroad i had the opportunity to organize a stillwater central railroad up in stillwater oklahoma and so in railroad everything your seniority governs everything right mm. that that determines what jobs you can work it determines how much money you'll make right it your seniority will determine if you get christmas off you know <laughs> you know because the guy with the high seniority he gets to pick the you know he picks the days first and as the, the seniority goes on down you get what's left mm-hmm. you know so on stillwater railroad we didn't get to vacations and whatnot but when i did my research so we had an 18 year old kid working the eight to five switcher like that's the daytime switcher and railroad guys will know like man you got a daytime switcher job like that's high seniority because because literally you're home when your family's home right right and then i talked to this older guy he's like 58 and he's working a midnight switcher mm-hmm. and i'm like how is that even fair well then you know as we do a little more research we find out the 18 year old kid he's dating the owner's daughter so he's you know he's that getting perks that way well. Yeah, yeah. So, so of course, this guy, this kid don't want a union. You know, he's just thinking about, man, I got it made. But what he hadn't taken in consideration is what happens when the daughter dumps him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or when the when the uh, owner don't like you anymore dating his daughter. You know what I mean? Now, you know, things going to be a little rough for you. But unions will make it fair across the board, right? Mm-hmm. And so it might be rough as a new guy because you don't have seniority yet. But as right. time progresses, you know. And God allows you to keep living. Mm-hmm. Good, good seniority will come about, and now you're the guy that's off every night with your family and off on Christmas, and, right? And still you know, paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's just it's one of those things. You just have to wait your turn. Mm-hmm. You know. What other protections are offered with unions, like besides pay, that people don't, you know, know of? Basically, job security, job security. When um, so my dad, I didn't have the, I I got a protection in a different. Uh, agreement but in 1982 reagan like totally destroyed railroad like over probably 65 percent of the railroaders around the country got laid off quick history lesson <laughs> yeah yeah well and when i tell you what happened a lot of people are like oh yeah okay i noticed that but i didn't know that happened so there used to be a caboose okay on every train if you look at the rear of a train now you'll see a little red light blinking mm-hmm. it's a computer it's like it's the right eot in the train device so that computer took the place of the caboose the wow. caboose was there 
basically it had a conductor and a brakeman on the rear end. And so it would tell the head end, the engineer, when we clear a crossing okay. or if we have to back up, he's already back there, you know, mm-hmm. to be the eyes and ears, right? And now it's a computer. So the computer is what tells you what clear the crossing. But now if you have to back up, the conductor has to walk to the back, you know. Jesus. Yeah, so it's. That's a whole entire. <laughs> yes. So a train crew used to be five people. There was an engineer on the head end, conductor, and a brakeman. Called head end conductor, head end brakeman. And now it's two or what? That's three. And then it was a, a, a conductor and a brakeman on the caboose. Okay. So that's five total, sometimes six. An engineer in training is called a fireman. So if you had a training engineer, so that's six on that crew. Mm-hmm. Well, they got rid of the caboose. So, so that two. knocked the crew down to three people. Uh-huh. And they got rid of the brakeman on the head end. So now a crew is just two people, an engineer and a conductor. That's it. No matter, like, the size of the train or anything? just No matter. And guess what? Right now they're trying to knock it down to one because you always have all these non-railroad people making railroad decisions. <laughs> so, That's like everything, though. Yeah. Like, it's always people don't even do the job, insert whatever job it is. Yes. Like, yeah, we know what's best. How do you know? You've never done this. Make it make sense. So they're trying to go with a one-man crew. And literally, they're saying, we don't need a conductor. Like, what is a conductor for? Because the engineer, when it's over the road, the engineer is the one pulling the, you know, the levers. He's uh-huh. he's controlling the, the train. And we even have PTC now, positive train control, where once you hit a certain... <laughs> yeah, it just drives itself. It's cruise control. So ultimately, what's going to happen is be nobody on the train. I, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably going to happen sooner than later. But, uh, yeah, so they're fighting now to say, we only need one guy on the train. But what happens if that engineer has a heart attack? Right. Like just and that happens. Literally mm-hmm. safety matters. Yeah. And, you know, there's malfunction in the train. You know, we could be going along just minding our own business and have a derailment. The track can lay down, especially in Texas where it's really hot. Mm-hmm. Steel will get soft. Right. And so it'll lay down. And, you know, those type of things happen all the time. When the engineer can't control what's going on on the head end and then go back there and see what's going right. on. Yeah. So it's for safety we need two people at mm-hmm. all times and the reason to get rid of them is f- for no other reason than just greed <laughs> right that's it more profit that's all so with with something like that who is the who is the union like negotiating with to make sure that's a thing so the company of course is who's pushing for it mm-hmm. and, and the unions fighting for our job security and we just go back and forth so with that to go to that one man crew, it's been in courts for like the last, I don't know, six, seven years. Oh, wow. So ultimately, it'll reach Supreme Court or, you know, top the FRA. Like there'll be somebody to make a decision. Sadly, is the decision was already made. We have what's called crew consist, and that crew consist agreement was signed in the 80s. And what it said was we will always have two people, a conductor on the head end. Okay. Always. And so because there's a conductor, of course, there'll be an engineer. Well, now they want to just go against the crew concepts. And that's supposed to be a lifetime agreement. So they mm-hmm. just, you know, so regardless of what the decision is, it'll probably be appealed. And, you know, They'll until like, yeah. it says here. Right. So uh, back, to, back to my dad and, and them getting laid off. So 82, that happened, right? 85 agreement. If you talk to railroaders um, that's my age or greater, they'll, they'll be able to tell you. 85 agreement is the best and worst thing that ever happened to railroads. So Why the worst? A lot of things was given up, the caboose, and because union fighting, like, hey, we need all this stuff back. You know, all these people laid off. So what happened is the railroad 
a lot of people that were laid off, they went around and offered them money for their seniority. And there were guys that thought, man, I'm gonna never get back. So, and they were offering some five thousand dollars, some fifty thousand, like you know, just trying to hook you, man. Mm-hmm. And some guys sold their seniority to never come back. And uh, fortunately, my dad didn't. He he stuck in there. My dad was a substitute teacher. He sold insurance. He did mm-hmm. a little bit of everything for three the- for three or four years. Yeah. And then in the '85 agreement, for those that did come back, mm-hmm. they got protected forever. They could never be laid off ever again. And so the union got that for them. So they never had to wor- have that worry ever again, right? right? Which is a beautiful thing. So I hired in 94, and thank God I was never laid off. Mm-hmm. But in 96, the process started. Union Pacific bought Southern Pacific Railroad. Right. And at that time, everyone that was on the roster, active roster, as of November 1st, 1996 come on with the receipts. we were we were protected so i never had to worry about being laid off it, and and they create what you call a reserve board and the unions do this so mm-hmm. so to to for our layer of protection is if the, if there was nowhere that i could work if if there were no jobs that my seniority could handle in my district what i could get on a supplemental board and just draw 75 percent of my pay every day Okay. Like unions create things like that. Okay. And so when you if you did have to do that, go that route, are you literally just like you're not working at that time though? Right. No, you don't work. You just sit home. So we didn't have to worry about it. Houston is always busy. Houston has Houston. a lot of work. So Palestine was our home terminal at the time. And I had seniority in San Antonio, Houston, Laredo, and all the way Come on, coverage. <laughs> up to but not including New Orleans. So okay. Beaumont, you know. And so when they, with the merger, they, they shrunk our seniority. So they took away San Antonio. We had a choice. We could either go to San Antonio or not. Mm-hmm. And I chose Houston. So they split Palestine up. We could go to San Antonio. We could go to uh, Houston or Longview. Okay. Well, San Antonio is always busy as well as Houston. Mm-hmm. Some guys chose Longview. And so I had a cousin you- specifically. He chose Longview because East Texas kid. Mm-hmm. And he never worked. Like, he, he was there for about three years, drawing a check. And after three years, they came along and offered him money for their seniority. And they offered him $100,000. And mm-hmm. he took it. And, oh, okay. Yeah, went work. I think he worked for the prison or something. Yeah, he left the railroad. Oh. He said he regretted it now, though, because, you know, yeah, right. you, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Always you know? twenty twenty. Because, you know, the 100000 after taxes is 72000 Right. You know, you and said. And then well, by the time life finished, life in. Yeah, yeah. You said, "Well, I'm gonna pay my house off." Well, it's eighty four. So, well, I paid it seventy two. We still owe twelve. So, mm-hmm. you, gotta go, you know what I mean? It's right. So, and that's just seventy two thousand dollars. Is just really not a lot of money. It's not. You right. know, for for that type of job. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Okay. Another another thing that you said um, when we were talking that stood out to me. You said that basically once you went to um, is it called organizer school or yeah. So. Yeah. Once you did that, you said that was like the best thing, best and worst thing, worst for them. Best for me, worst for them. Right. Yeah. Why? Because it it opens your eyes up to so many things, like analytics, money, like Mm -hmm. showing you how companies make money on different things. Like you would be amazed. You know what I mean? You have companies, let's just say the radar detector company also bets on 
the speed trap companies for the cops. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of companies in no-lose situations. You yeah. know what I mean? And people have no idea. Mm-hmm. They have no idea. And so as a, you know, I use Walmart as the example. Mm-hmm. Like, the bulk of Walmart's money is not made at Walmart. You know what right. I mean? Like, they, they, they happy if it just breaks even. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Their money is made on so many other things that they they have ownership in or invest, you know, right. largely invested. And so... It took years and years and years for unions to break into Walmart. Like literally Walmart in my hometown, they organized the butcher department at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And Walmart said, hey, if, if that union passed, we're going to just close the butcher department and just start importing the meat. That's greed. And they did. Of epic proportions. Yeah. And they did it. And so um, a couple of unions attacked them again, you know. And you remember a few years ago when they had the lead paint that was killing kids? It was like yeah. in the that unions. I literally said that's a thing still. Unions like in the put 2000s. that out. Well, unions put that out. Like because what happened? It was a union organized Walmart up in Canada, and they said if it passed, we're gonna just close the store. So they did, and they organized another store, and they said if you do, you close this store, you are gonna regret it. Well, they closed it, and like a week before Black Friday. Uh-huh. The unions put out all that information about the lead paint, Walmart Lights. buying buying toys from the companies that still from China using yeah. lead paint. Uh, oh yeah, it was it was horrible. And then Walmart said, Okay, okay, man, let's play let's play fair. Mm-hmm. And so now you're starting to see Walmart's, you know, get organized and right. and Walmart starting to pay for people's college and mm-hmm. they, you know, better wages. Before they they, they didn't you had people work at Walmart and still on welfare. Like right. that's sad. You know, that's yeah. terrible. But unions have a lot of power, man. I saw <laughs> Teamsters are they 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 gangster, man, for real. I was in Vegas once for a union convention mm-hmm. and uh, the Teamsters they were trying to organize at this hotel. First of all, it was built without Teamster labor, so that's that's already a bad thing. New York and Vegas, you just can't do that, you know. Right. But they man, they created flyers and passed out to the public. Don't stay at this hotel because they have bed bugs. And they literally nobody would stay there. Uh huh. Like they they gangster like that. They they rented a room from a hotel across the street and put this shining like a bogo light. Stop. On the, <laughs> uh, yes, on the building. <laughs> Don't stay here. And, and so at night it was like we have bed bugs on the wall of this hotel. Out of control. Yeah. Like you, you it's just you. You're not gonna be. They they take it really serious, man. It's really serious. That's nuts. So, with um with the organizing, right? Mm-hmm. So I have I work at this company, you know, small company, which you said um is better to start when the company's smaller. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. So I call you like, hey, we want to get a union together, you know, whatever. As an organizer, when you go in, like, what's what's your like best route to go? Like your order of operation, like what's most beneficial for you? Like when getting started. So when you you call me and I would say, well, who do you work for? What is it you want? Right. And if it's a small company, you know, so great. It's a small company. Mm -hmm. Somebody want to organize me. So what I would do going in at my company is say, okay, it's it's a small company. We understand that, Mr. Wallace. And we know you can't just give away tons of money. But what we want to do is assure as the company grow, so does the people. Okay. You know, and don't give us a hard time. We won't give you a hard time. Just be fair, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm going to come back to you as the employee and say, look, they don't really have the money, but if they get it, 
mm-hmm. you will be taken care of. And so I'll come in. Let's say y'all only have eight people. You know, we'll organize. Y'all become part of our union. Mm-hmm. Every four years, we'll sit back at the table with that company. We'll go over the books. They got to open the books up. Not just in four years, all the time. We're we watching them, see what money you they're making. You just pop up at random, or is it always a set time? It's, no, no. They don't need to know. We, we, we may tell you guys. Like, uh-huh. we, we don't. We you no don't longer. Company. That's right. We we work for you now, mm-hmm. and so you know every four years we're looking in the books. We're doing everything to make sure you guys are taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so healthcare like that's healthcare is not really an argument anymore because the government makes them now. Okay, right. You know? Because Obamacare. But but we want to make sure it's fair. Like if the company can't afford to to cover your healthcare, they need to do that. You know. Right. So do did anybody ever? Obviously, money is always going to be an underlying, you know, situation. In everything. But has anybody, did anybody ever come to you guys and be like, hey, we want a union and, like, their problem wasn't wages? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wages is always just a simple thing. Like, right. It, man, years ago, like, it was a it was a, a strike in New York transit because women didn't have their own restroom. They had, they had shared restrooms. And so... The women were saying, look, you know, we have menstrual cycle and things. Like, right. we don't want to share a restroom with men. with right. these, And they they said, so what? Well, guess what? <laughs> After that strike, they got restrooms. Right. You know? And it's sad that it takes that. That it has to be all this. Yeah, just do the right thing. Right. Just do the right thing. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, I'll tell you this, uh, because of Reagan, it's very few things we can strike over. And the number one thing that we can't strike over is money. It has to be uh, safety, uh, health and welfare, like you know. But it can't be because we want more money, right? Yeah, no, nah, that's you can't strike over that. So does when you go in and do you know whatever you know their issue is healthcare or you know mm-hmm. bathrooms whatever does do wages end up just by default being a part of the equation? Absolutely, yeah. So so every four years we we put together a um, a negotiating committee in the union. And I had the opportunity to be a part of it a couple of times, and I, I really enjoyed that process. So what we do is we t- go to different local y- union meetings okay. and ask them, hey, what, what would you like to see in the new agreement? Mm-hmm. And that, that local might have two things. They might have 200, you know what I mean? Right. So we, all, we turn it all into the International Negotiating Committee, and they narrow it down to 10. Okay, so 99% of money's going right. to be on there. <laughs> right. Always. And, and then, you know, some guys, it may be, uh, hey, man, I think we should be able to get one free pair of boots a year, a work boots. Mm-hmm. The work boots, you know, real good work boots, three, 400 bucks, you know. Yeah. So Union Pacific does. They buy us one pair a year free. Okay. And then if we get another pair, it's half off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But So at some point, that was negotiated into the contract. Right. If it's mandatory, you wear steel toe boots. So the union said, all right, well, you know, won't y'all give these guys at least one pair a year free? So, gotcha. yes, yeah, it, money is always the underline, but mm-hmm. it, it's so many other things, you know. Right. Okay. Okay, we're going to go out on, on you know, I like, you know, like lists. Top five dead or alive. Not playing. Um, <laughs> so what are the three most beneficial things with the union? Like. If if you had like a small company or medium size, whatever, and it's just like they're like, we think we want one, but we don't know why. If they said only give us three reasons why we should have a union, what would you? Uh, one job security. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's number one. Um, 
And I do have that a lot. We do want a union. We just don't know why. You know, my dad <laughs> told us we need to be a union. You know, right. like when I worked for the prison, and 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 my dad asked me one day, do the people that work nights get paid more than the, during the day? And I was like, no, it's all the same. He go, well, uh, it shouldn't be. Right, like, pay, pay. pay differential. Like I, I had no idea about pay differential. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, so it's things like that, like that you don't even really think about until you are in a mm-hmm. union. So. Right. Uh, but fairness is number one because okay. I do think everybody to do the same job should get the same pay. Okay. You know, I don't think there should be any type of elitism in that, you mm-hmm. know, that labor is labor. Right. Um, so pay job security mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, healthcare, you know, I think is, is a strong number two. Mm-hmm. And number three is you always have a voice, you that know, part. you always have a voice, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, and you may be heard, and what you what they heard from you may not happen, but at least you were heard. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, Liz, and I, you know, we joke all the time. Like I tell her stories about when I was working and what I said, and she's like, "Man, you y'all could just say that." <laughs> yes, you, you know what I mean? Right. Like, who gonna check me? Funny story. One time we uh we, we it, this was not at work, but it was a union union guys meeting with the president of union pacific mm-hmm. is when uh when uh warren buffett bought bnsf so up felt like oh man it's about competition about to get real mm-hmm. so they wanted to meet with us and say hey man we got to come together we're all on the same team to make sure we can combat whatever they're gonna do and uh he said so is there anything you guys would like to share like anything we could do and i said Raise my hand. I said, well, how about y'all just do what you say you're going to do? Let's start with that. Like, <laughs> Did you ever consider that? Yeah, like we have agreements that y'all don't pay right now. Like, you know, because mm-hmm. w- whenever they don't pay something, we have to go to an arbitrator and argue about it. And, then, you know, mm-hmm. we win most of them, like at least 85, 90 percent of them. Okay. But their thing is, yeah, but we'll keep the interest in the meantime. Mm-hmm. You know? So and we had this agreement that said if I'm working in the yard mm-hmm. and the road is short. And they need an engineer to take a train to say um, Shreveport, and they and the crew caller called me and said, "Hey Carlos, I know you're working on the HN46, it's a yard, but I need you to take this such and such train to Shreveport." Mm-hmm. And I go, "But I'm in the yard. Yeah, it's an emergency." But go ahead. <laughs> so the agreement says, in an emergency, I have to take that train, but I will get paid whatever my job makes plus what I make on the other train. Right. At the time, they would only pay me what I made on that train. They weren't paying me what my job made. So, And he asked me what I, and I told him that. And he said, well, I'm going to look into that. He's the president. He don't have a clue. He don't work in the He's county a department. Head, essentially. Yes. And so uh, Sharon Boone, I'm going to say her whole name. <laughs> Come on, she was, <laughs> she was the head of labor relations here at the time. And she goes, she re- she jumped up. Carlos, I, I beg to differ. She goes, you have seniority from Longview to um, New Orleans, Laredo, San Antonio. San Antonio. And I said, yeah, that's true. She said, so we should be able to call you wherever you have seniority. I said, okay, Sharon. Well, how about this? I said, Monday, why don't you call me to go work in New Orleans? Tuesday, Laredo. Wednesday, San Antonio. Thursday, Longview. And Friday, back into Houston. She said, well, that don't make sense. I said, and neither does what you're saying. Right. Makes no sense at all. You're like, imagine. And so, you know, the union guys are clapping and, you know, and, 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 and he's, all right, all right, everybody calm down, simmer calm down. down. Simmer down, And uh, so the VP, her boss that came down from Omaha as well, the president says, hey, get this guy's number. 
I want to I want you to rectify that. That needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So we take a break. We're at the Galvez in Galveston. So we take a break. We're eating where we're already staying anyway. So it's a table of us, like eight guys, and Sharon's walking by. And she goes, hey, guys, can I can I sit with y'all for lunch? And I was like, yeah, go ahead. So because, Carlos, I want to I want to finish what we were talking about. I said, look, Sharon, we're not going to agree. I said, we, you know, when you hit him with that first name, you're over it. Look, yeah, Sharon. I said, we're, we're not going to agree. You know, I'm the guy fighting for the claim. You're the person fighting not to pay it. We're just not going to agree. And she said, well, I just hope we can get up and remain as friends. I said, Sharon, I'm married. I'm married. Do you know my wife's name? And I have children. Do you know their name? Or have you ever been to my house? I said, a friend will say yes to all three. We weren't friends when we sat down. So we won't be friends when we get up. Like, like why would why would it make you even think that? Right. That's Liz's favorite story. She's like, man, I can't believe you. That's the voice you can have. I didn't disrespect right. her. I didn't call her name or anything like mm-hmm. that. But you should have the right to be able to say that. And not have to be worried about your job being And not have to worry or... about your job. That's right. right. Facts. That's okay. what union does. So fairness, health care. That was three. What was the other one? Have a voice. And have a voice. Yeah. Okay. Well, job security, healthcare, yeah, pay parity, fairness, uh, healthcare, and have a voice, you know, okay. w- without the fear of losing your job. Right. Okay. My last list isn't really a list. It's just one. So right. we talked about a lot of things, and there was a lot of like, oh, I didn't know that, didn't know that. Right. My favorite thing to say, fun fact. <laughs> um, so I didn't know that there were, like, Organizing unions. I know. So remember I asked you, I was like, so when you go to get a union, like who approves this? Where is this coming from in the first place? And you were right. telling me that there's different sectors for, you know, different things. Like Absolutely. Like you used an example of like transportation mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So what's, if somebody said, hey, what's the biggest fun fact about either being an organizer or just unions in general? What's the biggest fun fact for you? Oh, man. Feel uh, free to go up to three if you need, if it's more than one. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that look like, ah. yeah, like one, one, um, the AFL-CIO is, is a union comprised of a bunch of unions. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to DC, you see the AFL-CIO building, like so that's they, an entity just by itself. And then you have, yes, it, well, and it's made up of a bunch of unions. Like my union is a part of AFL-CIO. Okay. They are very powerful. Like, very, 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 very powerful. Um, Teamsters are not a part of AFLCO because of past things that they violations, and I don't know when that that period is up, but I'm sure they'll join once it is. Okay. But a very good friend of mine, Greg Floyd, is the president of New York Teamsters, so he, you know, he he he's like the city workers, uh, plumbers, and. Um, Sanitation workers, like okay. all these people, right? Like all the city labor, city laborers. And I tell him all the time, dude, you are the most powerful man in New York. And oh man, I see, you are more powerful than Derek Jeter, Jay Z, <laughs> the mayor, Trump, any of those. He's like, what? I said, you control the guy that flush that allows them to flush their toilet. Like he's out here running the city, literally. Yes, as as if you don't think that's power. Go go a week or two without flushing your toilet and call and then call See me the back. Outrage. And then call me back, right? And the sanitation. Go a week or two without anybody picking In up New York, your trash. Of all places. Of all places. Like, I don't think people realize how much power is in that until 
it shows up and right. show you, right? And that that has nothing to do with rich or poor. Right. It probably affects rich people more, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But Right. They're so, like, uh-uh, we can't live like this. <laughs> so so that that is a fun fact. The 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 power, right? Um and you know, I had the ability and opportunity to meet a lot of people, you know, because you know, I met Barack. Mm-hmm. Um I had a chance to meet George Bush and I I didn't because uh, I was raised right. <laughs> you know, it, I was at, it was actually when I was in organized school. It, it was in Silver Springs, Maryland, and uh, he was at the Democratic headquarters for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Bonnie, the lady that one of our instructors, God rest her soul, she said, Hey, uh, President Bush is over at the Democratic headquarters and he would like to meet you guys. Anybody want to would like to meet him? And I, I didn't go. He's like, Nah. Yeah, because my grandfather said if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. So I'm just gonna stay where I'm at. And you know, I don't think I would have just openly disrespected him, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have uh, said anything he wanted to hear. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like so, like, so. Let's not even entertain this. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I have a hard time being fake. Like I'm just, I would yeah. never talk corporate kiss ass yeah so, you know, it's I, a lot of energy yeah and so i just said no nah, man i'm i'm a chill i'm good right and i didn't go and when i tell people that like back then like, man you had a chance to meet the president are you crazy like when i tell people that now it's no big deal but mm-hmm. back then but guess what the union president called me the next day mm-hmm. a, in my room and he said hey i heard what happened last night i didn't think anything of it you're like what happened and uh he he said you're the kind of guy we need Boom. Because a lot of people just want to do that. But his thing is, like, if you're a falter just that easy, how can I trust you? Right. So. Ultimately. Yeah. Boom. And that is so Carlos, though. I'm sure yeah, your audience yeah. already knows these things about you, but <laughs> this is why yeah. I rock with Carlos. This is exactly right here. And it kept you in line with everything that you were doing. So. Yeah. Well, because no, to me, no man is more important than the other man. Right. You know, no it, God created us all, man. You know what I mean? So. It just you hiding behind a label or uh you know right yeah but you you same as me man you know what i mean right. I, uh you still you, you put one foot in front of the other to walk just like i do right. you know the whole night one at a time that's right right yeah. well thank you for letting me host your podcast no thank you we'll thank talk about you. how i did offline yeah first time out here flying solo but <laughs> no you did a heck of a job thank you very much no notes or anything no notes no. you know low-key was kind of like you know, I'm a very organized person. I had time yeah. to research or anything, and I'm like, No, nah, cool. you you did a good job. Thank, <laughs> well, thank you very you, thank much. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. See y'all next time. Thank I you for it. listening to the Life Is Not Complicated You Are podcast. For more information about Carlos, please visit www.carloswallace.com. Jeremy Can, a.k.a. J. Can, fought hard to achieve success. Years of experience have modeled this talented, multifaceted comic into such a powerhouse no one is safe when he hits the stage. The Houston native never forgets his southern roots and is proud to bring the most known unknown comedy tour to the Houston Improv. This performance showcases the comic's most hilarious characters and gives audiences an exclusive glimpse into this brilliant, funny man's life as he performs on one of the country's greatest stages right in his hometown. J-Can and Soul Caritas LLC, Houston's most prestigious production and entertainment company, join forces to make this groundbreaking event. 
Dressed to impress, the cameras will be rolling. This show will serve as JCAN's second comedy special. To secure your tickets, visit www.soul-caritas.com or www.improvtx.com.